0: praise god for solicitors praise the lord for accountants thank god for bank transfer agents thank the lord for administrators not words you hear very often are they are still less words that you think you might see in the bible But I suppose you might expect to hear words a bit like them. I mean, imagine saying, um, thankfully, I had a good accountant. You can imagine saying that. Um, Especially if you had doubts about how you'd look after money or someone else had doubts (laughs) about you as well. But here it is in our passage. Our passage declares, chapter 8, verse 16, but thanks be to God for Titus and for some other brothers who are going to help administer a gift. Last week, we saw um, how Paul had encouraged the church in Corinth to be ready to give to the needy church, famine-struck, humanitarian crisis in Jerusalem. And Paul kind of responded to some objections. Objections we have today, I think. What if I don't know how much to give? What if I don't think I have anything to give? What if I don't know how to give? We saw some of that last week. And today we see Paul respond, as it were, to another objection. What if Paul, what if this team that are collecting a gift,
1: what if they're dodgy? I mean, how do I know I can trust them with the money? I mean, who knows what they'll fritter it away on. How
0: do I know I can trust them? of course, again, that's a common objection today, I think, to the church. People have their suspicions about the church. Oh, the church has done so much dodgy stuff. The Crusades, intolerance, fundamentalism, whatever churches
1: they may be, dangerous, dodgy. Well, if that's you, and you're wondering about that this morning, look at the Apostle Paul say, praise God.
0: Praise God, for here we have a team that are collecting a gift, and they can be trusted. They can be trusted so much so that we don't just trust them, but that we praise God for them. Here is a team where if we had a team, anything like it at Grace Church, it would foster our support. It would get us willing and excited to give. So besides just getting us excited about this team, it's gonna, this passage is going to teach us really good practices in how we run our life together. And how we look after things like money. And it's going to give us even more reasons to take pleasure in giving of our resources and our time and our money to God. So we're going to see two things this morning. We're going to see the who. Who does Paul praise God for? Look at them, learn from them. Who? And then we're going to get a so what. Who and so what. So firstly, the who, three people. Who, number one, Titus. Look how Paul pours out his heart in verse 16. But thanks be to God who put it into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only uh, accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. Paul praises God for this guy called Titus. He praises God because this guy has the same earnest care. He's responded to the call to collect for Jerusalem, and in fact, he's
1: even going of his own accord. Paul thanks God for this guy called Titus. And Paul knows,
0: and we might do well to remember, that it is only God who enables human beings to do the good that they can. You see, the truth is that left to our own devices, we would be the next Enron, the next Lehman Brothers, the next Nick Leeson, if you remember that one, Uh, we would be doing the subprimer mortgages of the financial crisis all over again. But here Paul sees something remarkable, Titus, and a desire to do good. And so it rightly brings praise to God. It makes us think to ourselves, I wonder if I saw someone like this in the life of the church, serving, wanting to encourage us. Could I reject someone like that? I mean, for starters, he's been given a job in the life of the church. I should recognise that, support that, the authority there. But it's his care, his enthusiasm. How can I reject him? I can't reject him. In fact, I must join in praising God for this. God's working in him and through him. I think it's just wonderful that
1: God provided Paul with someone like Titus. He's another Paul. He has the same care as Paul.
0: He can send Titus. I think that's wonderful because, you see, I think we'd be suspicious of Paul if he wanted nothing to do with this gift. Oh, yeah, give to Jerusalem, and then he showed no interest. I think we'd be suspicious of that. That would be weird. No interest would bother us. Equally, if he was over-interested in the money, wanting to count every penny, I thought that would bother us too, wouldn't it? But here, Paul is able to send, well, not himself, but someone just as valuable, just as important as him. He's able to send Titus, who's just like him. And not merely a money man, but a guy with the same earnest care as him. You see, here's Paul, and he's not saying how you deal with money isn't important. No, he sends a Titus to handle the matters. And neither is he saying it can be handled casually. Oh, only a Titus need go. No, Paul thinks it's to his advantage that another one like him handles the matters. That there's that separation, you see. And accountability. That someone important is handling the matters, but not Paul himself. You see, we see here in these Bible verses that checks and balances, degrees of separation, accountability. It was in the Bible long before it was in your local uh, bank branch. NatWest, Santander. You've got it here in the Bible long before that. And so Paul praises God because Titus is an expression of, of God's goodness as he seeks to serve, but also it enables him to put in place good processes. The provision of the right person to lead this team, praise God. Praise God for the due care and attention that's been taking been going on here. And if the same thing is taking place in our churches,
1: well praise God for that. The who Praise God for Titus. Number two, the preacher.
0: Number two, the preacher. Paul says, thanks be to God for Titus. But then look at verse 18. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us. For the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. I find it fascinating here that Paul, who has written so much of our New Testaments, written so powerfully, that he's not going to be the preacher on this trip.
1: Surely that would be a job that he'd be so desperate to do, but he allows another to go. See, Paul had suggested
0: the giving to Jerusalem, but it won't be him that preaches at Corinth. It won't be him who preaches when the collection is raised. It won't be him stirring up hearts to give. It won't be him, as it were, performing and collecting. He won't do that job. Now, you know, I think it's the case sometimes in our good works that sometimes the good works that we do can become more about us than about the people we serve and love and care for. Sometimes, you see, the giving can be all about me or us as the givers than it can be about who we're seeking to serve and to love. People can actually be served for our glory. Not out of love for them. And the giving that we thought was selfless, well really wasn't at all. And this is dangerous for us today. I mean I think it's something that we have to be really careful about in our food bank work. Here we are serving our communities and we must make
1: so careful That doesn't become about us, but about the Lord and about love for our neighbours. Well, it wasn't so with Paul. Paul
0: relinquished the limelight. The church appointed someone else to preach on the trip, and he said, go for it. This really is being done for the glory of the Lord. I reckon Paul must have had a remarkable sense of self-worth and identity in God to be able to do that,
1: to not have his nose. Put out a joint. He gets behind this preacher, chosen above him, and commends him to us.
0: You see, it is really all for the glory of the Lord. It's all for the glory of the Lord. And he says, and to show goodwill. I think there, Paul means, he is him as apostle to the Gentiles, and he wants to say, look, it's not like I've been off doing something else. There's a mission to the Jewish people too, and I want to show goodwill there. You see, what this is about. It's not about a person, a personality. And their charisma and their gifts. This is about giving to the glory of the Lord and to show goodwill to others. And we see that even more, don't we? Look at verse 20. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honourable. Not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. You might remember... Um, that there have been some whispers about Paul. Oh, he doesn't seek a gift for himself. Paul doesn't seek money for himself. Oh, but he is seeking money for a whole city. Oh, that's rather convenient, isn't it? We'll give more to a city than we will to one preacher. Oh, I see. He's just lining his own pocket, is he? These were the rumours. But actually, it seems like Paul has heard that criticism, heard that rumour, and he's actually responded to it. He's sending others to handle the giving. And he doesn't want blame or criticism to land on him. He wants to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, yes, and what's right before people. So he'll make the arrangements right. You see, I think if Paul only did what was right in the eyes of man, he'd never given the gift in the first place. I mean, that was Jerusalem over there. That's someone else's problem. That's not in my backyard. Why do I need to be involved in that? It's very easy for us to give to charities known to us, isn't it? I find it easy to give to JDRF uh, or Diabetes UK. Very easy for me to give to those. But if I live for the Lord God, I'm able to give beyond that, aren't I? See, Paul lives for the glory of God and for what's right in the sight of God, but also, also what's right in the sight of mankind too. Someone's put it like this. Paul did whatever was right without ignoring those who might doubt his intentions. On the contrary, he was concerned not to appear to be doing wrong, even in the eyes of the weak. Paul wanted to act in a morally beautiful way before the Lord, giving to others as God had given to him. But not only that, he wanted to live in a way that was above board before people. People who, let's be honest, can't see in our hearts. People who easily mistake our motives. And so he took
1: extra care. He sent Titus. He sent another preacher. Praise God. Praise God for that. That another preacher was sent and that Paul wanted to do what was right before people. You see, Christians should be a good model of how to handle
0: financial concerns. I think the implication here is is that we shouldn't ever say, oh, that thing doesn't matter. You know, we live in a society, don't we, of red tape? I must say I really don't like red tape. I just want to go and do things. Does it matter about the paperwork? Um, We should never say, oh, we don't need a privacy statement or we don't need a risk assessment. We don't need financial accountability. or We don't need a careful tax return. It doesn't really matter if I pay tax on that little bit. Paul does what's right in the sight of man, too, and therefore this preacher is sent. I wonder where you sit in this regard, by the way, as we're here. Do you think, oh yeah, I do
1: what's right in the sight of God, I'm zealous for God, and then I think, well, those other things don't matter before people. I wonder where you are on that point, in verse 20.
0: Paul sends Titus, and he sends a preacher. It won't be him who stirs up enthusiasm for the gift. And so he does what's right before people. This gift will be collected carefully. Even so, look at the third who, the third person on the team. I'm going to call this third person the earnest one. Okay? Paul sends one who i just call the earnest one. Did you see it? Verse 22. And with them, Titus and the preacher, we are sending our brother, whom we've often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. The last member of this collection team is very earnest and he's been tested he's not a novice he's been round the block a few times you can trust him and it says there he's earnest in very many matters in other words he's thorough he's one of those people who doesn't just know about money and that's the job he's got to do but he knows about some other stuff as well he's he's, he's at least thought about them he can see something from a few different angles I mean, he's not an expert but he's intent to be thoughtful about it. He's, he's, he's thorough. And he's motivated. He wants to do it. He believes the Corinthians are going to step up to give. And so he wants to help. He wants to see that happen. You know, sometimes there are volunteers who are just too good. So you think, ah, oh, we have this lady who could do fire safety stuff. Imagine. But then you think, actually, she's too good Yep, she'll dot every I, she'll cross every T, she'll put together a policy document and it'll be like one Bible, two Bible, three Bible, four, five Bibles, like an encyclopedia, the church fire safety statement, and then we'll have to do a fire, fire drill and that'll probably be every other week, but we'll be safe as far as concerned.
1: And then you think, oh no, maybe it's better not to have someone like that on the team. But you see, Paul does. He has that earnest one on the team.
0: (laughs) So there won't be any criticism leveled about his handling of these matters. Have you seen the team he's put in place? It's even got that person on the team. You see the challenges of the super apostles, the challenges of the people giving bad word about Paul. Well, they've really just served to bolster the team that Paul has sent And to make it an opportunity for him to clarify his integrity and show the work of God in putting together such a praiseworthy
1: team. How wonderful it is that the church can respond to questions that are raised. It's no problem. And so
0: Paul says, look at verse 23. As for Titus, in other words, if anyone asks any questions about him, know this. He is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. He's other person centred. He loves you. And if anyone asks any questions about the brothers, as for the brothers, well, know this, they are the messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. They are messengers, they are encouragers, they are coming to serve you. Guys, here is a team that really exists for other people and for the glory of God. If anyone has any questions about this, or see they're working for your God, see that they love the Lord Jesus, they're not corrupt.
1: Their work really is all about other people. So I praise God for them, says Paul. Thank the Lord for them. You see, here's the truth. If you're worried about bad practice in churches,
0: if you're worried about financial mismanagement, if you're worried about corruption, and I dare say there might be some here who are, well, I think, friends, we need to see that Christianity is the only world faith that has the resources to deal with this. Only Christianity has at its centre a saviour who gives his life to save. Only Christianity has at its centre one who is so other-person-centred that he would die to himself for you. And so while all other religions are about what you must do, what you must achieve, that can argue for all sorts of things, Christianity is the only one that says we cannot do that. We cannot abuse. We cannot take, for Christ is the one who has given his life. Christianity can never successfully, consistently, for any length of time, be abusive without coming under its own correction and its own criticism. Do you see in this team, this team is all about serving the other. Because of what Christ has done, they cannot abuse. We as the church can never take of another person's good to serve our own when Christ did. Precisely the opposite. Here we have a team following Christ's pattern of giving themselves in care and with all due diligence to raise a collection to meet
1: this need of the famine in Jerusalem. (laughs) Praise God for that. Of course, churches can be corrupt. Churches can get things wrong, but not for any length of time. Paul's love for God propelled this.
0: And it's the love of God that's at work in this team. You see, when you know the Lord Jesus Christ, we see that it is possible to have teams that administer money well. We see
1: that it is possible to have teams of people that care for others. And it all points to one thing. God's at work. Praise God.
0: And where we see that in our life, praise God for it. Thank God for it and get behind it.
1: A few implications might flow from this for us. I think churches should want to have teams that make us want to give.
0: I think we should want to have deacons and trustees and treasurers who, when we see their calling, when we see how they encourage us,
1: when we see how they love the other, it makes us want to back them. I think this passage reminds us that churches will want to live well before men and will want to have good systems in place. So that should remind each of us that we can ask questions. You can say, who signs the checks? Who's got the checkbook?
0: Who, who who gives an extra pair of eyes over it? What are the checks and balances? I think that's absolutely fine. Go for it. It may seem boring, but it's to the praise of God. And actually, by the way, it's a good reason to come, if you're a church member, to the next church members meeting. At that meeting, we're going to be talking about how, how we operate various things in the life of the church and It'll be fun. Um, But it'd be great to look at that together, wouldn't it? You see, churches will want to support their teams as we look at how we can give and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we have a team like that that fosters trust, that brings praise to God, and if we see it, and if we believe it, then we won't want to
1: waste that team. We won't want to leave them with little to do. We won't want to disappoint them. We want to back them. Praise
0: God for providing administrators and teams within his churches for the giving for his glory and for the good of others. So there's the team, there's the who. Here's the so what. So what, it's there in verse 24. So, guys, don't disappoint. Verse 24, so give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Here's a moment for the church in Corinth to prove themselves, as it were. To demonstrate their love and faith. You see, how we give, who we give to, what we give to, shows what we really love. Shows what we really believe. Shows whether God's at work in our heart. Whether we have the heart of a God who gives. And Paul at this point, he's, he's writing. He's just overflowing with passion. And, and he, he says, I, I should stop writing, really. I should stop writing. Um, um, look at chapter 9, verse 1. It's superfluous for me to write any more about this. But I will. Oh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep writing about it. <laughs> and you get that but in verse 3. Look at this. I'll just read these remaining verses for us. But I wanna, want you to know the purpose in all this. Verse 3. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you're not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and arrange in advance for the gift you promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Paul lays out why why he sent this team. He sent the team to get everyone ready to give, to be prepared. I suppose it's the same in those days as it is now, that giving doesn't happen quickly. I mean, we don't just go to the bank and think, here's a good cause and I'll just give... Whatever, and draw down the cash. We have to think, we have to plan, we have to prepare. What, what money do I need? What do I have that's oversupply that I can give away? What things do I need to plan for? Take some time. That's just life, isn't it? We know, of course, that when we're rushed into making a decision quickly, we often make bad decisions. Don't we? Think again of a sort of child-sponsored run form. It comes to you and you think, oh, oh, I need to do it quickly. 20 other people are waiting for the form. And so what has everyone else done? And, you know, just make a quick decision. Not a good decision, just a quick decision. Good giving and good action in almost all areas of life are take planning and preparation. And Paul, so Paul said, I have sent you this team so that you don't have to be unprepared and seem like you're not ready or willing to give. How embarrassing is it going to be for Paul if they're not ready, you see, it turns out that Paul had been boasting in Corinth. They'd been the first to get behind this Jerusalem endeavor. Let's help the church in Jerusalem. And their initial enthusiasm had stirred up basically all the churches around to go, "Yeah, we want to give. So what happens if Paul finally gets back there and turns out they haven't? They're not even ready. That would be embarrassing, won't he? Won't it be? Paul said, "God's at work in Corinth, they're giving! And then the churches come and say, no, it's not happened. And Paul says, as it were, don't make a mockery of what we've said to be true of you. That you know the God of grace and want to give for him. You are Christ's. And as he's given, so you want to give, so show it.
1: He encourages them not to let shame be thrown on their confession and their reputation. But to give proof of their love. Encouragement, I think, to us too, isn't it? But Paul says lastly in that last verse there, here's what's at stake. You see, we'll either be ready or we won't be to give. And that means that when the moment comes, we'll either be seen to be generous or we'll be seen to be greedy. You'll either look like you were ready or the money, uh, or it'll be this matter of this word exaction,
0: right? It's talking about greed, stinginess. Your giving will be done in stinginess, is what this verse is talking about.
1: Verse 5. In other words, you see, if you're not ready and willing to give, it comes from a greedy heart. A heart that says that I'm,
0: I'm worth this. This is what I'm due, this money, these resources, this time.
1: My resources were given to me because I deserved more than anyone else did. That's greediness, isn't it? See, your readiness to give will either be an expression of generosity or greediness.
0: One Christian once put it like that. Greed is that self-centered, stingy attitude that is ever ready to sacrifice one's neighbor to oneself in all things. Greediness is that stingy, self-satisfied attitude that is ever ready to sacrifice someone else
1: for my good. And if we're not ready to give, that's what we'll be seeing. So Paul says, you don't have to be like that. You can be ready to give. Here's the team. I'm sending them to prepare you, to help
0: you. They're on your side so that you can be ready to give. So don't disappoint. Here's a team to the praise of the glory of God that God has supplied. They're coming to help you get ready, so get ready. Back them, support them. Let's not disappoint them. It's a reminder, I think, friends, that our leaders, our trustees, our deacons are here to help us succeed in our church life together. It's a reminder across this whole
1: passage, I think, that they will lead us with integrity. And so we say, God, help us. <laughs> Don't we? But actually, God has helped us. In, in this Bible passage, he, he, he provided a team,
0: and so he provides his church with gifts and teams today. And we have the resources of the Lord Jesus Christ who was so committed to giving of himself that no single ounce of corruption was found in him. In fact, the Lord Jesus took all the corruption on himself, didn't he? And did away with it at the cross. We have that truth standing behind us.
1: And so we can give. Now the church will let us down. Although we hope not. But, here is something unique, isn't it? Here is
0: something I see in this Bible passage that I don't think I'll see anywhere else. And I just wonder, if we can't give to teams like this, whether we'll ever be able to give to anything, ever. Paul here praises God for this team, praise God for deacons and trustees, leaders and teams that live for others and not themselves. And though they may fail, they follow a saviour, the Lord
1: Jesus Christ. And friends, if you've made him your saviour, would you join in giving of yourself for him and
0: backing those teams? You see, there may be difficulties. There are, of course, questions people ask about the church, failures and so on. You may know yourself of some examples. But I think we're reminded here that the answer to those concerns isn't to do away with Christianity you do away with Christianity, you lose the heart of the Lord Jesus, which is the one thing that saves us from ourselves. You lose the one tool of criticism and correction that we all need. Now, what we need most
1: of all is a deeper grasp of the truth that Christianity gives us. A deeper grasp of what the Lord Jesus has done. To let the Lord Jesus correct us. And we've seen, haven't we here, Paul be corrected, well, to fine-tune his process and his team. You see, Christianity is very realistic about uh, religion being abusive, which is precisely why Christ has come. But more of that another time. Here is a team that brings us to trust.
0: Here is a team that brings us to praise God. Praise God for who he is, for what he's doing, and to give us cause to get on board with him.
1: I wonder if we're ready to do that. Shall we pray? Our loving Father, we
0: say this morning how we find these questions of our culture, these objections
1: that people raise, we find them so very real. Father, thank you for the correction that we've received this morning. That actually, all these
0: good practices are in the Bible. Thank you for the heartbeat of the gospel that won't ever let us wander in how we care for others and what we are given to steward. I praise you, Lord God, that we have a great team here at Grace Church. Father, I ask that we would support them and be on their side and back them. I ask that we would be those, as this passage says, who live in the sight of God's and in respectable sight before man too. I ask that we would take due care and attention of all matters in our lives, and so bring glory to you, praise and honor to glory to you for what you are doing in our lives.
1: And we ask it for Jesus' sake and for his name. Amen.